There's no bigger red flag in a man than a man who doesn't feel loved by his father. Oh my God. First of all, I'm going to date you. You can bet as hell I'm going to date you. Second of all, it's going to be pretty bad. Well, 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 welcome back to Not For Everyone. This is an existential commentary podcast hosted by one lover and one hater, one hater and one lover. I'm already messing up the tagline because I'm unsupervised. Jess, the lover, is out sick. She's under the weather. I asked you guys to send her some sweet DMs to cheer her up. Some of you did. It was very, very appreciated. She needs a lot of love. And I'm just out here on the loose. In the meantime, nobody, nobody is supervising me. There is absolutely no executive functioning to be seen during this recording. I don't know what it's going to be. I do have a list of some stuff I want to touch on. You guys submitted some topics on Instagram. If you want to be able to submit topics in the future, it's not for everyone pod number four. So I wrote down some topics. I made a list. I feel like that's what an agenda is, right? But it really all depends on my mood. I'm very swayed by the winds. I talk to Jess a lot about energy, and it's probably the most annoying thing about me. Well, it's 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 on, it makes the list. It makes the list of some of the most annoying things about me, but I really believe in following your energy. I want it to be live. <sighs> what am I even saying? This is intolerable. I'm intolerable. Okay, wait. Let's be positive. Hold on. I'm going to pause the recording and then I'm going to come up and be, I'm going to say something positive about myself. Okay, I'm back. I actually, I thought about it and I actually don't want to say anything positive about myself. And this is why. <laughs> this is going to, we're going to segue into something I want to talk about. This is actually a DM I got from somebody. really sent in a DM. Actually, wait. Maybe I shouldn't say people's names. Okay. Somebody. We'll call her Janice. Janice sent in a DM and said, I feel like Caroline may relate more, but Jess may too. I'm realizing that I've spent so much of my life convincing myself I'm a terrible person and then spending the other half of life trying to reverse the cycle of negative self-talk, but it never sticks because I don't believe the positive talk that says I'm awesome and great. Maybe y'all can touch on this because I'm struggling with this self-talk battle. It's like I'm missing something that keeps me from just being happy in my skin. Don't know if that's comprehensible, but yeah. Janice, 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 Janice. Not her real name. Janice, you're a genius and you're articulate. And I appreciate this DM so much. And it makes me want to say so many things. Um, she wrote in about this. I think I I, I, I guess I, I talk a good deal about self-hatred on here which is a little mind-numbing. I don't talk about it as much as it is a presence in my life um, and a presence in what I feel because I think it's just pretty boring <laughs> to make people listen to that all the time, but it's a pretty big deal in my life is what I'll say. And it's not for no reason, right? I don't think we feel these things for no reason. I think most people kind of have their complex, their thing, that battle, like Janice is talking about, not her real name, that battle that you you feel like you're kind of always battling and it's a little Sisyphean and you roll the rock up a little bit and kind of just rolls back down and maybe you make progress, but it, it's like the same internal battle. 
the same narrative that you're spinning and trying to unspin. For me, the biggest one, the complex, the thing I'm always trying to prove to myself isn't true is that I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. Maybe yours is different. Maybe yours is um, no one will ever love me. Maybe yours is I'm not good at anything. I'll never live up to my parents' legacy. Maybe yours is I'm not pretty enough. Am I just giving people complexes now? Whatever your complex is, I feel like we all kind of like a core struggle. Mine is that I'm not a good person. And it's not for no reason. It's, um, it's, it's, it's actually something that I, I really won't get into on the podcast. I don't know how I could, but I have wanted to touch on it in some way because it's like, it's kind of the core rotten foundation of my existence. Um, Which is that I I grew up knowing a uh, a, a quite acute abuse, very violent, very physically violent abuse, emotional abuse as well, but um, very physically violent. I'll just leave it at that. And um, I don't talk about it a lot more because there's people I want to protect and Even outside of social media, I don't talk about it with most people because um, a lot of it, people can't, I find sometimes people can't even wrap their minds around it and there's nothing, the only thing that hurts more than, than that having been my childhood is encountering people like not understanding it or not getting it. So there's very few people I talk to that about. But it is worth mentioning on here. I don't know if I'll touch on it again. But that's just, uh, that's the foundation that I grew up on. And don't try and guess, you know, where this abuse came from. You're not going to guess, I promise you. But that was like the first thing I knew. And the way you try to make sense of that as a kid, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to, we're all trying to like make sense and order out of the things that really don't have a lot of sense to them. Like, why is this happening? It must be my fault. I must be bad. I must have incurred it. I must have earned it. So for me, that's the story of I'm bad. It's this thing I'm always trying to get out of. And we all have it. It's not a pity party over here. Like we all have that lot we're given and that we're always working through and I've been through, I've been to so much therapy. <laughs> I've done so much work on it and I've, I've improved. I think I've improved <laughs> at how much I hate myself. Um, I've definitely improved a lot. I treat myself a lot better. I demand more from others. I have good standards. I know what to tell other people. I, I know how to empower other people. Because intellectually, I get the empowerment. I understand the rules. I understand how it should be. I can say to other people, it's still hard for me to do for myself, right? 
And I've gotten to that point in therapy after years and years of therapy and work and real commitment to working on this stuff, cracking the code, doing the reflection, crying the tears, taking the pills, whatever it is. Sometimes I've hit this point in therapy where I will say to my therapist, like, I just don't think it's going to get any better from here. And I'm kind of tired. Like, I'm kind of tired. I get it intellectually. I get it. I know what you're going to say. I get it. I agree. And I just can't feel that. I can't feel too much more differently than I do right now. Like, I've... Now, I don't, I don't know that this is correct. I don't know that this is correct. <laughs> These are not instructions for how you should live your life. I'm just telling you, like, what's true for me. That's how I think about this stuff. Like, I'm opening up a page in my fucking journal. And I'm telling you, like, as a human, this specific human, what's true for me? I'm not saying that this is correct. But sometimes I do really get tired of, like, working on trying to undo this seemingly undoable knot. Like, I'm just tired. And actually, like, that, it's a part of me. It's a part of me. This complex, it is a part of me. I don't know. I would be a completely different person if I didn't have this part of me. Not better or worse, but completely different. I doubt I would be a performer. I doubt I would have this compulsion to win people over. I doubt that I um, would be as funny. (laughs) I doubt that... I would be as reflective, like, if, you know, I'm mentally tearing things apart in my head all the time, trying to get, trying to understand what the truth is. I don't know if I would be any of those things without it. And, um, like, sometimes I get this feeling, the only thing more exhausting than feeling bad all the time is, is the constant trying to convince myself that I'm not. The mental work that goes into that... I know that maybe this isn't correct, but there is a part of me that feels like this is just a part of me. We all have that thing. I watched recently a documentary that a lot of people have enjoyed. It's called Stuts. It's on Netflix. It was made by Jonah Hill about his therapist. They talk about their relationship, Jonah Hill's relationship to his therapist. They also talk about some of his therapist's actual like psychotherapy practices and it was a very different approach to psychotherapy and particularly different in a way that I think benefits a lot of men. Not that everyone can put into be put into a box but we do process things differently and and watching it I was like oh I feel like I could see this being really helpful in particular to certain men I know who've who've sought therapy and maybe it hasn't helped them or maybe it hasn't uh, wanted them to stay with it very long. I, I thought it was really interesting. But the therapist, who is named Stutz, the titular titular subject, talks about this concept of the shadow. I think is what he calls it. This shadow. Which I, from his description, I understood to be like this core complex that we each have. And there actually isn't really any overcoming it. There's a certain acceptance that like this... This shadow, this, this negative thing, this complex, this thing I'm always trying to get away from is a part of me. And it's probably going to be there my whole life, whether it's chronic struggles with self-hatred, chronic struggles with jealousy, chronic struggles with a fear of abandonment. I guess they're kind of all different shades of the same thing. But that there's like something to accepting that 
this is a part of me. This is kind of my thing. This is my lot. And we all have it. And I don't know. I found some relief in hearing that. Hearing somebody else say, like, he too has his shadow. You do. I do. We all have ours. It's all a little unique to us. And in another way, it's universal. And we're kind of struggling with that our whole life. And some days it's better and some days it's worse. But it's kind of always there. And that's kind of okay. Which isn't to say that I'm going to, like, stop working on, like, you know, the self-hatred thing. I don't know. But, um... The only thing that compounds it more is this feeling of like, I haven't overcome it yet. And actually, my therapist wrote this great book recently, which I'll, I'll share the information. I'll share it in the episode. It's called The Emotionally Exhausted Woman. And it's a great book. Whether you're a man or woman or whoever, it's a great book that I think everyone should read. Um, Nancy Collier. And at one point, it talks about the toxicity, the toxic side of self-improvement culture this idea which I'm very much a part of that culture I am very much I very much buy into it (laughs) but this idea that like uh, I will be whole and I will be ready and I will be final one day once I have xyz once I fix this thing about myself once I change this thing once I learn this lesson once I improve this habit and this flaw then I'll be whole then I'll be good. Then I'll be done. Doesn't exist. Like there is no, (laughs) there is no day where we've just like sorted it all out, where there's no more learning to do, where there's no more mistakes to make. It doesn't exist. And then in the meantime, the whole, like chronic, a a compulsion to chronically self-improve, like I'm committed to that. And also it kind of implies that I'm not whole now. That I'm only whole once I don't have flaws. Like, that day's not going to happen. I, I can actually be whole now with the flaws, with the struggles, with the mistakes, with the ways I hurt people, with the ways I fuck up. Like, that is what a human is. I'm talking to myself right now. But it blew my mind. Everyone should read this book. Like, there is no human who doesn't have to sometimes apologize, who doesn't have to sometimes learn from a mistake, who doesn't have to sometimes, you know, change a habit. There's no human that doesn't have to. You, you, you don't get to a point where you're no longer doing that. So this idea of like, I will be good when, it's, it is toxic. Like, I'm a whole person. I mean well. I fuck up. I have to apologize. I often hate myself. I often love myself. I often do really good things. I often really lift people up. And I often ruin stuff. And that's a whole person. I don't know. I can't articulate it as well as her. But if you feel trapped on like the self-improvement hamster wheel, I would check out this book. It's pretty great. The Emotionally Exhausted Woman by Nancy Collier. She's my therapist. Yeah, no answers here. And I think it's an interesting discussion. I think it's something, I mean, people are going to have all kinds of opinions about this stuff. (sighs) Someone's going to be like, you don't think that you should do better? That's not what I said. If that's what you think I said, you didn't listen very well. It's not what I said. The illness is that I'm always trying to make myself do better. 
And what's missing is a moment of being like, I'm whole. I'm whole right now, even while I'm fucking up. I don't know. You know what, Caroline? That's that's like really indulgent. It is. It is. I'm not well. All right, let's move on to another question. A lot of you guys have been sending in petty complaints. <laughs> Just complaints. Just complaints. That would be a good name for this podcast. Just complaints. That's going to be a spinoff podcast I start. There's going to be no substance to break up the complaints. Right now, I really do try to keep a mix of like, you know, quick paced, lighthearted, giggle time, and then some deeper reflective moments. Spinoff podcast is, it, there's no substance to it. It's just offenses. I'm going to read out some of my favorites. <laughs> Somebody wrote in, people who turn the lights, wait, what? People who turn on the lights when there's enough daylight. Disrespectful to natural light. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I love a petty complaint that is like, I don't want it to be reasonable. I don't want it to be reasonable. I don't want it to be something you can justify. I don't want it to be something that you can make an argument for. I want it to be something, yeah, like this, something someone does that like it truly hurts no one and um, you're actually, it involves a lot of personification, disrespectful to natural light. This is what I love. It's unreasonable and I live for it. Oh, someone wrote, people who play music out loud while hiking or camping, vomit face. Yes, yes to the vomit face. This is, I can't even laugh at this one. This makes me so annoyed. People who play music from their phone as a speaker or are just like having a FaceTime conversation without headphones, without earbuds, without anything in public, in public anywhere, playing music anywhere, even someone who's just singing out loud in public without anyone's permission. Like now this is, you've decided for the rest of us what we all have to listen to. And the thing we have to listen to is you singing Unless you're Beyonce, no, actually, even still, even still, I don't, you, why do you get to decide what everybody else is listening to right now? I would, I mean, I hate, I hate, I hate this. What really gets me is people FaceTiming in public. If it's any more than like a 12 second FaceTime where you're like, oh, hi, I'm in public right now. I'm picking up just to say hi and see your face, but I'm going to have to call you later because this is obnoxious. If it's any longer than that, they're dead to me. They're dead to me. They're dead to me. You gonna decide why do I have to listen to this inane conversation right now? You're deciding for everybody what we all have to listen to? You think I don't also have things to say? Of course I have things to say. I found a time and a place to say them and they're on the podcast and you click into the podcast and you can click out of the podcast if you want to. You think I also don't have music I like to listen to? I just am not gonna make you listen to it. Kill them. Kill them. End them. I'm gonna say that. I don't know if Jess would approve of me saying to kill them. These are things I got to say them while she's not here because she's going to come back and then I'm going to and then there's going to be a parent in the house again. No parents. No parents. I can't even joke about that because Jess actually Jess is my my mommy. I think Jess is my mommy. She supervises me. She takes care of me. Truly, I couldn't be doing this podcast without her because she makes me more sane. She makes me more sane. She makes me feel more sane. And actually, I think I'm pretty sane. 
I don't think I'm crazy at all. I think I'm the only person who makes sense. Can I say that? But I feel like it sounds like I don't make sense when I'm alone. When I'm just in this vacuum, I agree that I sound crazy right now. But when Jess is with me, she just has this way. And she's not even a yes man. She's not a blind validator. She's very comfortable disagreeing with me. But she just, she brings sense to everything. I'll say I feel a little lost without her right now. Let's take a moment for Jess. She's not dead. She is alive. So what do you think she's doing right now? She's probably giggling. You know what she's doing right now? I hope to God that Jess is in this moment, in bed, little toes tucked in bed under a blanket, sweatshirt on, hoodie up, bowl of ice cream, mug of ice cream, mug of ice cream, watching Love is Blind, giggling. I can hear her giggling right now. I'll tell you what, I have a petty complaint. Let me tell you what. This is this is the lowest person on earth to me. This is the lowest person on earth. I yes, I stand by that statement. This is the lowest person on earth to me. And a lot of the times I share a petty complaint and I'm like, if this is you, don't be offended because it's not personal. This one's very personal. This one I want you to be offended and if this is you and you listen to the podcast, I don't even think I want you to listen anymore. I can barely explain how much I hate this. People, how do I even explain this? People who reference their parents in a conversation with somebody who is not their immediate family. So they're talking, they're talking, they're not talking to their sibling. They're not talking to an aunt. They're not talking to a grandparent. They're talking to like a friend. They're talking to a fucking neighbor. Someone in Whole Foods. They're just talking to somebody. And when they reference one of their parents, they refuse to use a possessive pronoun. They don't say, oh, my God, so good to see you. Um, My mom brought you up the other day. No, they would never say that. Too reasonable. They go, oh, my God, so nice to run into you. Mom mentioned to me that you were in town, but this person does not share a mom with them. This person does not share a mom with them, but they're just calling them mom. I was watching a documentary about Nora Ephron. It's called Everything is Copy. Check it out. HBO, maybe, I think. And one of Nora Ephron's sisters was being interviewed. And they asked her about the the mother. Her and Nora Ephron's mother. Her mother. What was your mother like in this way? And this woman dared to answer the question. And she answered the question by going, Mommy was really tough on us. Whatever the fuck she said. I completely tuned out. I completely tuned out after she said, A, mommy, and B, refused to use a pronoun to specify that it was her mommy. Do not ever, do not ever look me in the eye and talk to me about your mother and just call her mom as if she's also my mom. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about? This is, this is not a crazy complaint. This is, they're crazy. They're a crazy person. To me, this is like, this is like the height of narcissism. You thinking that your mom is the only mom. Do you know that you didn't even come up with that name? We are all out here calling the people who made us. We're, we're all calling them mom. It's not a unique name. So you need to prove to me that you understand that we don't have the same mom by saying my, say my mom. Please don't, do not refer to your mom as my mom. 
please do not refer to your mom as mom to me unless you are my sibling or like an aunt. Like if it's not immediate family. Have I explained this correctly? A, bu- a bunch of gals, a bunch of friendly gals at a bonfire. We're all friends. We're just friends and co-workers and we're all going to stro- tell stories, fu- funny camping stories. It's my turn to tell a funny camping story. And I say to all my friends and to all my co-workers, no shared blood between us, I say, dad would always take us to this camping spot down by the creek. I will kill you. I will end your life. I will end your life. How can I explain to you what a possessive pronoun is? How can I explain to you that your dad is actually not my dad? And in the rest of the world, he goes by a different name. You have to go home and ask dad what his name is because he is another name that he uses places. Dad is your private, intimate thing that you do with him. He's not my dad. And I hate to break it to you, but the rest of us also have different dads. I want to end this person's life. This is the lowest person on earth to me. I cannot. It feels intimate. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It feels incestuous. I don't like it. And I don't think that people who say dad are necessarily having sex with their dads, but they might as well be in my book. I don't like it. And I'm not taking that statement back. Jess, Abby, do not, do not ask me to edit that out. I won't. It's staying in the episode. Okay, moving on. The thing that sucks about doing a petty complaint on your own is that like there's no one here to laugh with me. So I'm just going to tell everyone that was a very funny rant. And you're just going to take my word for it. It doesn't sound funny, though, when I'm just sitting alone in a room screaming about incest. Um, ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, somebody wrote in and asked, have you ever dealt with comparison issues with your sisters? I get this all the time. I used to get it a lot more, especially with my older sister, Elizabeth, because we were two years apart. And so we were like in high school at the same time. And Elizabeth is, you know, she was just, she academically excelled. Granted, like I got straight A's. I did, I did a really good job on tests. Like who cares? But I was, whatever, I was a very good student. But Elizabeth is just the extra extra. She went to Princeton, then she went to Stanford. Like everything about her screams genius. Um, Not that going to those schools really means fucking anything. She's not a genius because she went to those schools. I know that. She knows that. She's a genius for other reasons. But going to those schools are a quick and easy, you know, shorthand to help people understand. She's quite bright, whatever. And people did ask me that all the time. They'd be like, oh, are you jealous? Is it hard being her sister? Da, 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 da. And truly, I can say there's so many things I struggle with in life, but that really was never one of them. And I think it's for a couple reasons. I can't speak for my other siblings, but I have never had jealousy. Like all of my siblings are insanely talented and they're all also really hot. Like it's, it's, it's universally agreed that I, I'm the ugliest sibling, which I'm fine with because I still think I'm cute. They're all cute is the problem. Um, and there's something to envy about all of them, but I, I at least never felt any competition or comparison. And that is really because, I mean, especially my older sister and I, we were always compared to each other, but we didn't really have that because we had such clearly defined lanes. Like I did not care about being valedictorian. I didn't care about it. I cared about getting good grades, 
But what I really cared about was like performance. Elizabeth did not care about performance. She had her lane. Like we had very, we just like weren't really interested in competing. The other thing that I think deserves actually the majority of the credit is to my parents who they knew to never compare their kids. I mean, I'm sure they slipped up on this sometimes, but in general, they really did not pit us against each other. I feel like most of that, a lot of that comparison with siblings comes to, often it can come down to like parents pitting you against each other or, or even, you know, without any bad intent, comparing you to each other and being like, oh, you could be like your sister this way, even if they think they're encouraging you. That is pretty damaging. And my parents really never did that. They really like let us have our own lanes super weird fucking lanes they're like okay yeah do it and they really did support us in those ways I feel like my brother probably got more of the comparison because it was like him and then the sisters so I feel like he may feel differently but in general have not ever felt that comparison with my siblings we really genuinely are each other's like biggest supporters and I do experience jealousy in other areas, not not with her, but you know, with other people, professionally, whatever. Like I feel jealousy totally. And in my experience, when I'm feeling jealous over something, it usually at its core, you know, say I'm feeling um, jealous, envious of someone else's career. It usually what it comes back to is that I'm not happy with my own career, right? Like I'm not happy with something that I'm doing. Which maybe that's like a no dust statement, but it it helps me to recognize that so like professionally another youtuber i can get jealous but the antidote to me is really making sure that i'm making videos that i feel so proud of and they're never going to be like someone else's videos and their videos will never be like mine but the more i focus on making videos not to get a certain viewership not to um appear a certain way but just videos that are like a hundred percent I stand behind this video even if nobody watches it which sometimes happen even if nobody watches that video I can be like well y'all are crazy because that was a great video it really helps with the jealousy it really helps the comparison as opposed to making a bunch of videos that I'm like oh well I think this is what is popular and I think this is what people would like and I think this would be trendy or I think this would like compete with their channel better then it's way harder for me not to feel jealous of them because I don't have like, um, I don't really have like a substantive foundation of my own work. I don't have a good respect of my own work. So I don't know how that would translate to siblings. I guess it depends how your jealousy appears with siblings. If it's professional, it's so hard with siblings because it's, it's this thing of your parents' love. Like what do we want more on earth? Most people like die still pining for their parents love more than almost anything on earth it's not a small thing and I'm not your therapist so I I don't have the answers to that but I just want to acknowledge that's like a big thing if you've if you've been like taught to feel competitive with a sibling probably ultimately fighting for this seemingly zero-sum game of your parents love that that is that's torture that's torture there's nothing that tortures people more there's no bigger red flag in a man than a man who doesn't feel loved by his father. Oh my God. First of all, I'm going to date you. You can bet as hell I'm going to date you. Second of all, it's going to be pretty bad. A man who does not feel loved by his father and has not dealt with that hurdle. 
first of all, they're so hot. And second of all, they're going to make me miserable. I'm going to be so sad. I'm going to be so sad. I don't know if that answered the question, but those are my thoughts on that. Those are my thoughts on that. Oh my God. Somebody wrote in the greatest petty complaint. This made me laugh so hard. This actually came through on YouTube, uh, on our YouTube channel. Not for everyone podcasts, if you want to watch on YouTube. Somebody commented, I have a weird turn on. Oh, this is not a petty complaint. It's a turn on. I have a weird turn on that I need to share immediately. Yes, thank you. This is exactly what I want. First of all, I very much relate to the whole long sleeve thing. So hot. Okay. She's referencing my unreasonable turn on of long sleeve. It's it's long sleeve crew necks. I don't know if they make long sleeve v-neck shirts, but don't let me see you in one. Do not let me catch you in a long sleeve v-neck. You're dead to me. Catch you in a long sleeve crew neck. I'm fucked. Yeah. So she says, agree with the whole long sleeve thing. So hot. But if the guy puts his sunglasses up in his hair to look at his phone or something, I am done. I need to know if literally anyone gets this. I don't relate to this at all. (laughs) That's so funny. If a guy, if you fucking, if I catch you fucking putting your sunglasses up into your hair to look at your phone or something I'm fucked I am fucked you guys are sick you guys are not well you guys are not well some people wrote in some really good topics that I do want to save to talk with Jess about yeah so if I'm skipping over your topic I probably loved it but there's some I want to save to talk with my baby girl about because she makes everything better I need her laugh track right now. I should ask her to just send me a voice memo of her laughing. I think. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, I'm going to end the, I'm going to end the episode on something sweet. Something sweet. Is it sweet? Wait, who can say? Somebody wrote in and asked about, asked me to share how I measure success. Talk a bit about like recently how I measure success, things I'm focusing on, etc. Great question. I feel like this question of how I measure success, it's like the question we're all asking and I think we should continue to ask ourselves throughout life because that answer will probably change. At one point, it might be hitting a certain income. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Or, you know, at one point, it might be how you're able to provide for your family. It might be the flexibility, the freedom it gives you. I think that answer can change throughout life and it's just important to keep checking in with it. My goal, like success to me this year, when I sat down to set my goals, I realized, what can I even set as a goal? I can't set a subscriber count as a goal. I can't set view counts as a goal. I can't even set income as a goal because a lot of these are not within my control. What I can set as a goal for myself in the field that I'm in, like a creative field, is making videos that I can 100% stand behind. And that really is, um, there's like some creative integrity there, some expressive integrity there. But it also is the thing that keeps me from getting totally devastated if a video doesn't perform well. External validation, social media, putting out videos, it's it's rife with external validation. You know, if you get your your validation and your sense of self-worth from a video that goes viral and that's how you know that you're great, then what does it say about you when a video bombs? Is that when you know that you're terrible? You really, like, it's taught me very quickly that you cannot derive your sense of worth from the videos. When a video goes viral and it's really popular, I'm able to feel, if you're listening to this and you're like, what is she talking about? I Who is this person? I'm a YouTuber. I don't know. I make YouTube videos. Okay. Moving on. 
I, it, did I need to say that? I don't know. Like when a video performs really well and the audience really enjoys it, I take that, I do take it as a compliment. I take it as a win and I take it as a compliment that they liked the ideas. They liked my ideas. They liked something I made. You can't take it as they like me, even though it's my personality a lot of the time or it's my ideas, my thoughts, my rants. You can't take it as them validating you as a person because then what does it mean by that syllogism, what does it mean when your video bombs? That they hate you as a person? It, it can't be one or the other. It's got to be both. You can't, you don't, you don't get to choose. So I've learned very quickly that like people liking my videos, it means they like the videos. They like the ideas. But it doesn't mean that I'm a success. And the video's bombing. They didn't like that video. They didn't like that idea. And it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. You have to do this separation, especially I think when you're in creative work, it's very hard, but it's hard for most people in our jobs. A lot of us derive, you know, our identity from there. It's what we're doing most hours of the week, more than we're seeing friends. Like, how can you not derive a lot of your identity from there? But for me, I can't, when I think about work goals, like I can't set a goal where like, I want my videos in 2023 to all get this many views. That's literally not in my control. I can't say I want to get this many subscribers. It would be nice to get a certain number of subscribers, but like it's actually not in my control. All I can focus on is making videos that I can fully stand behind. And it really does work. I've had, I've put out videos. I think, I think like the best video I've ever made, <laughs> one of the best videos I've ever made is a video. It's called the truth about living alone. It's performed well, but it deserved, I think it's deserved to be my biggest video. I think it deserves to be like one of my biggest videos and it's not. And when I put so much work into this video, it did not perform well. It's slowly over time, it's risen a bit. But when I put it out, YouTube ranks like your, how that video is performing compared to your last 10 videos. Number one is the best, like it's ranked one out of 10. Number 10 is the worst. It's doing the worst out of 10. And a 10 out of 10 means like you failed. You need to like, you really need to look at yourself. That's bad. I put this video out. It was a 10 out of 10. And it actually didn't tank me. After like two years of doing YouTube and realizing how to get the separation, separating your input from the result, it didn't tank me. It was disappointing. And I was like, well, pfft, sucks for the world because that's a great video. But I was able to feel like, I'm so proud of that video. I will watch that video a million times. I will make people watch that video. That is when I will make people watch. <laughs> and it, it changes a lot. So I think like focusing on the integrity of what you can feel proud of. If I die tomorrow, I'm proud of that video. It's a stupid thing to say. One time I was dating this guy. That's not true. We were just hooking up. And um, he told me he was like, he was really proud of his Twitter feed. You know, whatever. He was a comedian. <laughs> Too many of them. And he was like, I think my, my tweets are really funny. If I die tomorrow, I'm proud of my Twitter feed. And when he said that, I was like, I, first of all, I cannot have sex with you anymore. But in another way, I really respected it. He was really like fully stood behind his Twitter feed. It was, it was really, it, it was kind of a turnoff that he said that to me. But I really respected that he felt that way about it. And I think there's a lot to that. And I wish him all the best. Oh, someone wrote in something really interesting. I think this was a, I think this was a petty complaint, but I'm going to say that this is a profound complaint. Not petty at all. People who make fun of pick me girls on the internet are giving pick me energy. 
and she put an eye roll emoji. So does everybody understand what she means by this? I love this. I think it's so, so smart, so insightful. It's something I've been thinking a bit about recently. I had a friend who had to work some event. She works in the entertainment industry and she worked some event where she met Halsey and she like had, you know, some kind of conversation with Halsey, the musician, the famous person. And she was talking to me about this and I was like, oh my God, Halsey, what was she like? I've had the impression that she was like this total bitch, blah, 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 blah. And I said some like terrible thing about a person I've never met based on what Instagram photos I've seen of her, like based on nothing. I don't know Halsey. I don't know Halsey. I don't know Halsey. And, um, my friend talked about the interaction she had and she was like, well, she, she also doesn't know Halsey. They had like a 10 minute conversation, but in the conversation, Halsey was completely lovely, completely nice. If anything, maybe like nervous or insecure or something incredibly relatable and endearing and just a nice grounded person. And neither of us know Halsey. Neither of us know Halsey. Okay. Neither of us know Halsey. I don't know Halsey. But it just illuminated this thing. I was like, why did I come up with an opinion about this person who I've never spoken to? What if I watched interviews with her? Like heard some of her songs, seen some like cute selfies she took and decided that I know this person's personality. And I'm trying to bring a bit more of awareness to some snap judgments in particular that I make about women I don't know. Because I don't think I do it as much with men. And I think it includes like judging the pick me girls. So I'll say this, what I'm trying to think about recently, when I see myself making a judgment about a woman and it's about some trait that really isn't hurting anybody, that's a red flag to me about myself. That's a red flag. If I have a judgment about something about them is annoying, especially it's like when we judge things in women as being annoying, it's really, I think, worthwhile asking why do we find that so annoying And why is that annoying trait such a threat to what we believe in? Why is a pick me girl energy? Why do I need to comment on that at all? Why do I need to put that down at all? Like, why is that? How does that threaten me? Because I think when you're like irked and truly like deeply bothered, not we're not talking about like petty complaint, frivolous little hee hee ha ha. When you're like truly kind of angered, truly kind of disgusted by someone else's behavior and it's really not hurting anyone I think a lot of the times it's because it threatens something about you it threatens something about me it threatens something maybe that I believe about myself it threatens a belief I hold about the world it threatens maybe the way that I want other people to see me as a woman and I'm making judgments about them ultimately because some of some of their female behaviors are like female behaviors I don't want to be associated with or female behaviors that I think people would judge in me or would make me look less cool or would make me look less likable or like it's threatening something to me. I don't know. It's not a, it's not a fully baked, it's not a fully baked thesis I have here, but I'm trying to throw a flag up when I catch myself wanting to write a woman off for a behavior that I find annoying, especially like, why would you write a person off for that? This is different than a petty complaint. I stand by all my petty complaints. They're all mostly jokes, people. They're all mostly fucking jokes. Okay. But when you truly are like actually disgusted by someone, want to put them down or think less of them for something that's just kind of annoying, maybe they have an annoying personality. Sure, they can be annoying, but like it's not really hurting anyone. I think it's worth asking, what does that behavior in my mind, what what of my beliefs do I think that threatens? What about me do I think that threatens? 
It's worth digging into. And that was a pretty preachy thing of me to say right now, but I'm saying it because it's something I'm very guilty of. I don't think it's helping anybody. I am so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. I've been talking way too long. I've just been missing Jess the whole time. There's absolutely nobody giggling behind me. There's been no agenda. I really miss Jess. Let's all say our favorite things about Jess. My favorite thing about Jess... Where can I start? One of my favorite things about Jess is that she really takes things to heart. And that's probably her cross to bear. (laughs) That probably sucks for her. But she really takes things to heart. She's like so full-hearted. She puts her whole heart into things. She is just like... She's a big old heart. She's just a fucking heart. This has been not for everyone. If you're turning, tuning in for the first time, this is a weird episode because I'm missing my partner. But you can check out some of our episodes. The other episodes are also pretty weird, but people like them. It's pretty fun, I think. If you want to share this episode with a friend, if there's something that resonated with you, dealing with jealousy, comparing yourselves to people, overcoming your core belief of your not goodness or whatever your core struggle is throughout life, the hamster wheel of the self-improvement, toxicity, whatever it is, share it with a friend. We love people have been DMing us like text conversations they have with a friend who they just like shared the podcast with and the friend's now obsessed with it and they talked about it. Us, us in your text chats, I want to see that. I want to see that screenshot every day. I want to see that screenshot every day. It doesn't even have to be nice stuff. Be, say, just be like, Caroline said the dumbest thing. Can you believe it? I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored to be in the text chat. You can find the podcast on Instagram.com, not for everyone pod with the number four, not for everyone pod. Uh, follow us there if you want to contribute to topic ideas, questions, petty complaints. I'm on Instagram, but who cares? Just as on Instagram, Jay-Z DeBakey. We're also on YouTube. You can watch us on YouTube. I think that's it. I need a shower. I need a shower so bad. I appreciate you all. Sorry I didn't laugh that much here. I would be laughing, but it's hard It's hard to laugh at your own jokes. I mean, I did do it, actually, but I just missed Jess, okay? <laughs> Talk to you soon. Be nice to yourself. Get off the hamster wheel of self-hatred. Or, you know, stay on it, but just accept that, like, it's an okay wheel to be on and, like, we're all just kind of pushing our own rock up the never-ending hill. And that's kind of a part of who we are. And it's okay. It's probably giving you a lot of really cool personality quirks, right? I actually do think about this. Okay, this is a new episode, but I actually do think about this a lot. Like, if I have kids who are just like, if my kids are just like well loved and have a great sense of self, and like aren't traumatized, are they ever going to do anything interesting? Are they ever going to do anything interesting? I don't know. I'm sure I'll come up with some way to traumatize them, and then they'll do something cool. You're the best. I'll see you soon. Bye. I need her laugh track right now. I should ask her to just send me a voice memo of her laughing. (laughs) Somebody asked, what are your blind spots slash weaknesses in life? i.e. I can't hold numbers or images in my mind. What? The fuck? What the fuck does that even mean? 
I can't hold numbers or images in my mind. I don't even understand really what you mean by that. You can't hold images in your mind? What do you mean? I mean, I'm not like, see, I don't have like a projector in my head and like on the back of my skull. I'm not like seeing it. It's just like you understand what, an, what the image. I don't know. This is confusing. 